Nothing discussed with Dr. Hannah Preston Pita in this conversation is meant to diagnose or treat any condition or takes the place of talking with your own healthcare professionals. Aloha, everyone, and welcome to another conversation to take us from anxiety to clarity. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich from Sutter Health Kahimohala, and my colleague Trisha Kajimura and Evan Leong from Brain Gain Hawaii and I have created this series to help us all deal with life with COVID-19 as we continue to work through what that really means and as conditions keep morphing. Now with safety measures in place, we've seen that people are now going to restaurants, they're going to public pools, dog parks, all kinds of things have been opened. Um, and soon people will be able to visit other parts of Hawaii once the quarantine on inter-island travel is lifted next week. Meanwhile, the state is still trying to figure out what it can do to open the state to visitors who come from trans-Pacific destinations or places and how that really can happen for Hawaii in a safe way. And unfortunately, the tourism industry has been really feeling the brunt of all these conversations as the governor has moved the date for the quarantine all the way to July 31st. That's for anyone coming to Hawaii from a mainland or trans-Pacific destination. And we've watched the unemployment numbers of, of uh, weekly claims decrease. That's been a good thing. But still, we know that there are 271,000 people across the state who are unemployed. And that's where we are right now. All of that said, we're looking at what's happening around Hawaii, and today we're going to get the view from Hawaii Island with clinical psychologist Dr. Hana Preston-Pita, the CEO of the Big Island Substance Abuse Council. And it's always a delight to be able to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You know, there you are in Hilo, and, and Hilo is such a lovely place. There's so much small town goodness about it. But there's also a lot of substance abuse. There's a lot of other types of abuse. People who are truly feeling the economic pressures these days. We've been watching businesses along the frontage there close. Um, so many impulses that I know you are, are feeling and seeing. How, from your perspective, has this been changing the kind of, of treatment that people are seeking? And just in general, how you are seeing what's happening in your town? Well, I would like to just say that, you know, obviously it's a very complex on so many levels. Um, what we're seeing here on Hawaii Island is pretty much mirroring what's happening in the rest of the state, the nation globally. But as a substance abuse or addictions provider, we are starting to see more in influx of people who are first time users, using alcohol, using drugs to cope with um, the current situation. Also with our current clientele, we've noticed too as well is there is a lot of relapse and due to the stimulus checks coming in, you know, more resources to buy and purchase more drugs. So that was a very sort of interesting take on our end. And, and sad too, because there had been such, you know, incremental gains that I know a lot of people have been making over there, but not unexpected that this would be happening now, given where we are and how people cope with pressures and looking to the outside in many cases to be able to deal with the kind of pressure I know that many of us are feeling internally. Uh, when you mentioned first time users, how are you finding them or how are they finding you? 
um, they're usually calling us or we get a referral from their loved ones saying that they're in great need of help. And um, what we've been noticing too is an influx of first responders and essential workers who are normally not a part of our general clientele. We've been seeing an increase in that. Um, more of the physicians, doctors, um, nurses, firefighters, police officers who are actually seeking some help. Not necessarily for substance use, but for mental health issues or um, compassion fatigue or things that are really being triggered by the current circumstances. Well, the good news is they're seeking help. Yes, and that is amazing. That is amazing. As we've been saying all along that, you know, at least if there is some shred of silver lining to any of this, it's the fact that people are feeling a little more comfortable to talk about mental health and to seek treatment of, of many different types. But especially when we see first responders, those people who have had enormous pressure put on them and also being put in harm's way, that they would be able to seek treatment is a very good thing. But it also puts additional strain on those organizations offering that treatment. How much has, have you seen in terms of an uptick at the, at the, uh, at BISAC? Um, I would say about maybe it's grown in the last three months, 10% increase. I mean, it may not be a significant um, number to look at, but for us, it's very significant because of our capacity to treat individuals. Um, a lot has really changed, and I guess with, with just a lot, a lot of things happening across the board with health, um, that we've been doing things like telehealth, which is not really what we've, we've been taught to do, it has been very difficult to adjust. Um, and a lot of our services are group format and individual. So the group format has been very, very interesting to have you know, 20 people all at once chiming in during a group. But we're making it work. Well, that I think is, is one of the things that we've seen happen in so many organizations that give help and treatment that they're trying to figure out how to make the, the dictum thou shalt do telehealth really work for them, especially when that's not something, as you mentioned, that you've had a lot of training in. A lot of people haven't. And the bump up in capacity, the bump up in uh, the ability to understand and manipulate a lot of these technologies for the purposes that you've just talked about. How do you handle 20 people on a call at once uh, when there are, you know, even you may be seeing each other, but still it's very different than when you're looking at someone face to face. All of that. Uh, means that now you have more ability to, to do this in future, and that's probably going to be the way that it's going to happen. How have you been building that capacity, uh, or has it just been sort of hit or miss? Great, very great question. And I would like to say that we're ahead of the game and being proactive at, at, at all of this. But what we have seen as a silver lining with telehealth is basically because we are a very large geographic island and we're all underserved pockets, this is a very, very good option for individuals who are not able to drive out to Hilo or to Kona or to Waimea. We're able to actually reach them in their own home. So, you know, the, the silver lining with all of this is that we were able to, to find these little um, gifts, you know, through this pandemic um, that we're going to be able to carry through successfully um, when this is all done. I love that you term it in terms of little gifts. Uh, this has truly been a terrible situation for everybody in some way. And I don't think there's anyone who's gotten through this to this point unscathed. But to be able to see some of those little gifts and to be able to capitalize on them 
and make other people see them too. That in itself is a gift. And I'm really glad you mentioned it in that way. As you've been finding these people in little pockets and being able to talk to them and bring them in through telehealth, have you also been able to network with physical health providers to tie all that together? Is that happening at all? Oh, it is totally happening. And that's one thing that I can say about Hawaii Island is that we have been through so much traumatic events in the last seven years. You know, I moved here about 10 years ago and I, I was like, oh my gosh, we have, we have hurricane, we have tropical storm, we had the lava, two, two incidents of that. But in, in the end, we were able to pull together as a community. And so I think we were much more prepared for the current um, pandemic. Um, we were able to kind of see ahead how to deal with certain crisis situations, not only as um, micro agencies, but looking at the more macro picture and looking at how we can network with our um, partners in the community. So physicians, hospitals, um, community health centers, um, homeless shelters, um, all of these things are, are things that we've done in the past that it was just a matter of dusting off, you know, and, and picking ourselves up and getting back into the group of things. So it sounds like, as you, as you mentioned, the ability to do this again, that you had something to perhaps teach the rest of the state. Are you interacting with other agencies on other islands to let them know or at least get the benefit of what you already know? Um, I think for us, it's always been a matter of let's just sharing some of the things that we've had. And I know that our partnerships that are strengthened here has been seen by our Department of Health. Like it's been shared via Department of Health, uh, state-wise as to what are some of the successes that we've been, we've been doing here. So yes, definitely, as much as we can. I think everyone's just trying to stay afloat right now, that, that you know, um, sharing these things are, are being done in, in the moment. What would you say are, are your biggest wins to date? Oh, that's a good way. I, I like the way um, you, you phrased that question. There is a lot of big wins. So um, in the past, um, I'll use the lava as an example. Um, we were able to um, really start celebrating our community um, and really celebrating who we are as individuals. What makes us really different um, on this island was really bringing people together and networking and creating opportunities for people to just share and process and develop new ways of, of looking at things. and. So we created things like I was able to train over 700 first responders several years back, um, a mental health first aid um, with more of a cultural um, flair to it, but really getting our mobilizing our services and providing these types of things so that they're able to know that they're supported. They have the tools to go out there, look for what they need to look for and really um, integrate self-care into their lives. Other things that we were able to do was really um, look at some of the, the greater needs in our community and um, feed our kupuna, which is what we're doing right now, feed our keiki, um, create um, outreach community events in the past. And so it has really brought us to this present point where we have so many wins leading up to this. And it's only a matter of time to see how much more we're able to, to do for our community. So currently we're able to um, make 300 care packages for our um, first responders and essential workers in our community. Um, we were able to make 200 therapeutic keiki packs, which is um, backpacks um, with, our, with, with blankets, with um, writing material, with snacks, just to kind of give them a little bit of comfort during that time. 
Um, we were able to hold dental health huddles, which is another thing via telehealth, where we're able to stream in people, first responders and essential workers to really just process and say, what are you going through and acknowledge. So I would say that there has been a lot of wins um, throughout this current situation. From that point, how then do you springboard or, or leverage all that to what you see might be necessary as we're dealing with ever-changing situations, not knowing when the state may be opening to visitors coming from trans-Pacific areas, and the fact that we're also seeing an uptick in cases because people are moving about more freely, even with the limited number of visitors that we have, and uh, just within ourselves being able to feel that uh, there's a little more ease to it and letting, you know, people unfortunately are letting down the guard with that too. Where do I, think, yeah, I, I think for us, it's just a matter of what I've learned very quickly um, is to be flexible, you know, to not be certain um, and keep all of your eggs in one basket. So for me, it's just a matter of um, how do I leverage that? How do we see through this? It's just being open-minded about things and not being very certain about things. And when things come our way, we just figure out another way behind it, you know, or around it, um, grounding ourselves and really accepting and acknowledging um, what we are going through. That's a good stance. Uh, most people are, are so uncomfortable with change when they know change is coming, let alone when we have so many unknowns ahead of us. Is there something that you really feel is important that people stop and think about when they are dealing with so many unknowns and particularly in a, in a smaller community like Hilo that seems to be much more well knitted together than say what's happening in Honolulu where various neighborhoods seem to have you know, their own characteristics and, the, and their own knitting together. I think when dealing with the uncertainty, what I've learned um, and it's, sometimes it's very hard to practice, but just, just be kind and be compassionate. You know, I think if we can move forward that way and be gentle with ourselves and not be hard on ourselves, then we're better able to navigate. And if that, and we're able to pass that on to other individuals in our community. But I think it really starts from us, you know, making that change. I'm gonna be kind to myself. I'm gonna be kind to others. I'm gonna be compassionate with myself. You know, I'm gonna, I'm going to smile more when I go out there, even if we have our mask on, you know, but it just is uh, just spreading the word and getting things out there, I think is the best medicine. That's very good for all of us. But when we know that there's also been an uptick in substance abuse, in alcohol sales, how might you suggest that people look at that, not only within their communities, but just as individuals? What are you telling people? I think for us, just bringing the awareness. Do you know that? Because substance abuse, it's always been there. Addiction, alcoholism, it's always been there. It's just that right now, because everyone is so hyper-focused on things, you, you see it more now. You know, you see it more. Um, we've been doing this for, for some time. Um, and so for me, it's just a matter of getting the message out there that, um, that we're going to get through this and that there's help if you need it. That also seems to say that you have additional opportunities to help people that you weren't reaching before. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because it's, it's sort of um, where the stigma, it's, it's interesting because I'm starting to notice is that the stigma has been really, it's lessened right now. 
where people were being, um, you know, stigmatized for mental health or going through depression or having anxiety or, or addiction. Now it's like, it's touched all of us to some level. So I, I think that's one of the other things that has been really good coming out of this. So at this point, how can you capitalize on that and then be able to serve this additional population that's coming to you perhaps for the first time, as you mentioned earlier, or you know, who may have experienced a relapse and need you now too? I think it's just a matter of messaging and getting it out there. You know, we've been noticing that, you know, doing huddles or wellness huddles or social media platforms or getting the messages out there, sending things via email, um, commercials, radio announcement, all of these things to let people know that we're still here and that what you're going through is normal. I think normalizing that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Just normalizing it, sorry. Right, normalizing it. Um, when you told me a little earlier in our conversation that you have family members calling you and saying, there's somebody in my family who needs help, or I think a friend needs help. How then can you approach that person when they you know, obviously are adults and you can't pick them up and say, come on, kiddo, we have somebody to go see. It's much more tenuous when you're dealing with adults because they have to want to have the help. So how are you approaching that and what lessons might there be for other friends and families on other islands to perhaps you know help the people that they love of course that is a very difficult situation because they do make the choices um, but i would say that when when we have individuals that are calling in and seeking that help it's just a matter of educating them first you know letting them know um, what kinds of tools they would need to maybe utilize and maybe even even coaching them or giving them prompts as to how to approach the individual that they care about and see if it could be a joint effort with them coming in to seek treatment, you know? So it, it's just a matter of really finding out what, what works for them and giving the tools that they need and really providing that supportive environment that when they're ready to come in, we're here for them. It sounds like that is an opportunity for a twofer where you get to educate potentially the family member, obviously, uh, who, is, who is addicted or who may be using substances for the first time, as well as the family members who are trying to help, uh, which helps spread the word. You never know who may be needing that help. And even if they pass it on to somebody else, it's still being able to extend that circle of information. Yes. How, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're correct, thank you. How has local government been helpful to you or maybe not as helpful as you would like in being able to reach a lot of these people given the fact that not everybody is on the same place regarding anti-stigmatization of mental health issues, certainly when you combine that with substance abuse? I think for us, so there is one thing I wanna give a shout out to, the Department of Health, our State Department of Health, um, Eddie Mercero has been an amazing trailblazer for us and not only for our island, but for the state. And when this sort of pandemic hit us, he was really prepared. It was like he was grooming the system and really grooming providers to be prepared for this. And so I think his really innovative ways of thinking about things and looking at things and not really cookie cutter, right? He's giving you a very innovative approach to taking care of things has been very supportive on our island. Um, 
they hold these um, behavioral health surge meetings. I don't know if you participated on it on, on every Mondays. It yeah. has been so amazing. And, and I think for him as deputy, like he always makes the time for everyone individually. Like if we have a question, like he'll call us back, which I think it's a very, very important. Um, the other thing is our Lieutenant Governor kind of seeing things that he's done. He's from our, our island, you know, this is where his residence is. He has been a very profound um, leader in making sure that we are all supported, keeping us aware of things. Um, locally, our community here, um, we have Sharon Hirota, which she works for the mayor, uh, mayor's office in our county, and she has been another trailblazer. She's probably gonna, she's probably gonna be like, why did you mention my name? But she is amazing when it comes to really innovative thinking. So I think it's just a matter of these these individuals in our community, in our state, in our county, that really provide us the backing that we need to be successful and seek the help that we need. With the support and with the responsiveness that you've just talked about, what's on your wish list as, as we go forward? What would you like to see more of, less of, or just to be able to access? Oh, definitely. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say this, you know, our neighboring islands, all of our neighboring islands are very difficult with sort of seeking some of the funding and really um, having some of that funding di distributed here. I would love to see more funding pumped into the neighbor islands for substance abuse and mental health services. Um, on our island, specifically my wish, wish list for this island is to really have what we're working towards a one-stop shop to have co-located services in one location. Um, we are actually currently working on a plan with the mayor's office and our partnering agency, Hope Services, to really um, put in stabilization beds in our community, which we don't have a detox area, um, to really increase our capacity to treat individuals um, and to really um, provide or enhance our continuum of care. So that would be my wish list is to, to find, um, to build this one-stop shop so that we're able to better, better serve our community. Does law enforcement understand that so that you know it, it doesn't become just the revolving door of people who are either mentally ill or who have comorbidity with substance abuse going in and out of jail? It is not a perfect system. I'm gonna put it out there and I think we can all say that look, looking around, but what we have seen on this island and statewide is that we were able to implement uh, the LEAD program in the last year and it's a law enforcement um, assisted diversion program that works very well in Seattle. And it's actually a partnership with educating our police and our prosecuting attorney's office so that when they're having and they're arresting people with mental illness or substance use that needed extra care, they're not arresting them, but they're referring them over to our agencies to provide that support and following the care um, as, as they're being treated for whatever needs that they have. So it's been very, very successful. We actually um, implemented in January, um, um, did very well until COVID hit. Everything's been put on hold, but we're hoping to restart that program. So it's just a matter of education. So now during the time of COVID, since that really hit you, you haven't been able to see this working partnership with the, the police continue. Why? I would, I would wonder because we so much need to, to be there for people and to get them to the right help, uh, why that would be why that would be stopped if they already know that this is so important? 
it is so important, but we know that there are other priorities. So it's not like the program has stopped. The face-to-face -face has stopped where we're actually, you know, accompanying them to these areas. Um, the referrals are still happening. So that's a good thing. The referrals are still happening. It's just that um, our police department, um, are, they're really putting their focus on um, other things that our, our mayor has um, made as a priority. And that's just basically COVID and keeping people safe. With so many businesses, unfortunately, going out of business or downsizing, people obviously out of work, losing jobs, uh, this kind of situation is, is not going to necessarily be the best for increasing the, the chances that someone may ask for help. Uh, are you concerned that the business community is more engaged or should be more engaged as you go forward so that hopefully if they have people who are also in that first time experience that they will feel comfortable to find help? Definitely. Oh, I feel like you're reading my mind, Beth. <laughs> you're definitely correct. I know, I'm like, wow, she's, she's got the questions and I'm, I'm already thinking that. Um, but yes, definitely, I believe that they should be more engaged. So things like employee assistance programming, um, we do provide for our larger scale hotels on the West End where they're able to um, provide those services and refer them over to us to seek help for mental health and for substance um, use services or any other services. But I would totally agree that this platform should be enhanced and, and be offered to um, the larger scale, more of our businesses in the community because if there, it's, if there's gonna be a need. Well, with so many hotels and hospitality related businesses closed to say nothing of just you know shops and some of the other lovely places that, that Hilo has to offer, it seems like this is going to be a sea change at least until there is some external tourism happening or even you know enough of, of people visiting but that's relatively small when you think about all of us visiting ourselves as it were as opposed to bringing people in from elsewhere of although there's conversation about travel bubbles and and protected areas and all of that still it's going to be quite a while before tourism is able to recoup. Do you see any possibility for some different partnerships now or for some of the things that you feel you'd really like to do in the community where you now might have space to do it with properties that aren't being used for their original purpose? Wow, that's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, housing or, or, or distance meetings, I mean, it's so that everything wouldn't have to be necessarily over Zoom or whatever platform you're using, but to somehow move people into a different direction by moving them into spaces that perhaps hadn't been used before in this way. I think that's an awesome idea. And I think that's something that we should look into, you know, really looking at um, uh, uh, spaces in our community that are not being used and, and, and basically utilizing it for, for other types of services never really thought about that. I think that's a, an excellent idea. How's the theater doing? I remember it was going through a bit of a renovation the last time I was there. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. But now, you know, we're not able to really enjoy it as much. But hopefully when this all opens up, we'll be able to, to return to our new normal. Well, I was even thinking about how that space might be used for some, you know, interactive work where you would have the space to do social distancing and have it be, you know, downtown where everybody can access it. I would, I would, 
my heart for that theater. <laughs> yes, yes, might be. A, that's a great idea. You know, really looking at um, restructuring the way that we look at things. That's definitely. You mentioned a little earlier in the conversation that you've created these lovely comfort packs for for children out of backpacks with a blanket and coloring things and all kinds of other things that might make them feel a little bit more cared for. Are there certain aspects of, of what you've been doing over the last little while that needs to be more directed with children, uh, especially as their parents are dealing with so much in, in the community and that they're you know, really dancing on shifting carpets as everyone is, but especially for kids that you'd like to see brought into Hilo in a bigger way or started from scratch? I, I just a matter of connecting to resources. I think for us, you know, when we think about vulnerable populations, we think about our kukuna, we think about our kids, but really that has the definition of vulnerability has really changed for our population. Now we're starting to see that general general po populations are included in that in that mix of things. As for kids, resources, keeping them close, you know, providing that support that we need for parents. Because parents we're starting to see more right now we're, we're hearing even to the best of us that are well trained are having some difficult time navigating their new lifestyle you know having to be that um that working mom or dad and now teacher caretaker um 24 7 has been very very difficult so not only taking care of our kids and providing them with more resources but also having a a platform for our, our parents and, and guardians to really um, seek the help that they need. So how are you reaching out to parents and guardians, especially as we're now into summer? I mean, it's not technically summer, but school has ended um, and without having the routine of logging on at a certain time or whatever may have been available for children at all ages, um, there is a lack of routine now. And it's always during that time of, of lack of routine that, you know, we've seen little spikes pop up when, when kids can get in trouble and other things that happen that create a lack of, of stability for them. So how are you reaching out to parents and guardians now? For us, it's just a matter of sending out um, education and resources to where the point of entries are. So we think about churches, even if they're not able to... Um, to be at church physically, there's still been some sort of connection there. So connecting with our local churches, connecting with other local um, agencies who specialize in, in with children and giving them the resources that they need. We had an interesting partnership that I never thought would happen, but um, our Hawaii Diaper Bank, um, they collect diapers and all of that, but we were able to, to sort of do a drive with them and give them some of the resources that they needed so that when they're, when they're giving these kits to parents or families in need, they're giving them other care packages. So it's trying to find very different ways of, of reaching individuals. And of course, social media, you know, we were able to reach that way as well as, as, as giving parents more of that resource. Has there any been, or I imagine there has been, but what has that looked like as you've been working with the DOE and now that the, the grab and grow meals have started up again, that seems to be a natural intersection for being able to distribute other materials too. Yes, that, that's, a, that's a great idea. So making that available, you know, um, so when school starts up preparing them. So we, funny that you say that because we've been thinking about, we do, we work in the schools and we have school-based programs. 
So really thinking about the how how is that going to look when school starts up in August, or if it ever starts up in August, um, how are we going to provide the resources? And and so we are we're looking at a campaign that we would be able to provide resources to our teachers and the staff there, and giving um, care packages as well for for the kids, so that they know that they can they can zoom in or they can call us if they need additional resources or support. And how about now during the, well, as we're coming into the, is the summer month-ish, you know, between the last part of June and late July, when there are still going to be giveaways for the meals, et cetera, where all of that is still happening, might you have some opportunities before school, school technically would start in August? I think that's a great idea is really reaching out to these areas and saying, um, I know that they have protocols that they have to follow, but really giving them the resources so that when they're giving these meals, they're giving these kids and parents additional support. I think that's a great idea that I might, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to, I'm going to um, use that idea. Thank you. Well, you're welcome to take anything that works if it makes it better. But as, as we're now kind of coming to the end of our conversation, are there any of the, the situations that you see on the Big Island, throughout the island, not necessarily just in Hilo, that you think uh, would be better enhanced by some different approaches. Would you just talk a little bit about how you're looking at your island in general and, and what that might mean for the rest of us as we look at you from afar? I would say just the matter of strengthening our and, and maintaining our relationships with our community providers we also have a close relationship with our county um, representatives and our ledge, but keeping keeping everyone well informed, I think that's a, one thing too. And also having periodic meetings. I mean, I don't know. I think statewide I've seen it and, and, and here on the island where we've had um, lots of groups who have put out the support on Zoom for people that want to just kind of join in. Um, there's a Vibrant Hawaii, which is a local nonprofit here on our island that has really taken local leaders in our area to normalize what we're going through and put out um, PSAs um, and also to put the messaging out there to people. So I think if we can continue to highlight, you know, what we do best here, and that's just a matter of connecting and, and tapping into our resources and not being afraid to ask for help, we're going to be in a better place. Well, I wish you all the best with that because it seems very much that not only the community of Hilo, but throughout the Big Island operates in a hyper-local way. And in this case, that seems to be really working for you. Thank you so much for the time. And to all of you who joined us today, thanks very much. If you have an idea for a conversation or a topic that you'd like to see us tackle, please let me know. My email is kozlovb, as in K-O-Z, as in zebra, L-O-V, as in Victor, B as in boy, at SutterHealth.org, B at SutterHealth.org. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to you. And if you have a question, use that email, and we'll make sure we get you an answer. And until we see you next time for From Anxiety to Clarity, make it a good week, and we'll talk to you soon. Aloha.